Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. This is Michael Wagner, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast. Welcome to Know Up Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. He is Clint Wells, and this is episode 217. And we're going to dive back into a top 10 list. We're going to do the top 10 Metallica songs, decade-specific, from the 80s. We're kicking it old-school Metal Up Your Podcast style because when we first started 100,000 years ago, we did a lot of different kinds of top 10s. And so we're going to do our top 10s of songs in the 80s. It's fun to limit ourselves. Then we're going to do the 90s. Then we're going to do the aughts. Then we're going to do whatever you call, what do we call it, the 10s? We're, we're in the 20s now, but but the, but we yeah, the, the, the teens. The 10s, yeah. The, the top 10 is just going to be hardwired in order. Yeah, just gonna, we're going we're gonna to reorder hardwired a top 10. Just kidding. We might not do that, but we are going to throw it back to a top 10 Metallica songs of the 80s. And uh, to further throw back the episode... We got a few segments here this week that we haven't done in quite a while. I think Torben is flying around somewhere. He is, yeah. I, I saw him hovering uh, over my neighborhood earlier. Uh, he might have made a pit stop over in your neck of the woods. but um, mm-hmm. And I also saw an old beat-up truck drive right. down my street this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was out on a walk with my Walkman, and uh, I did see a, a, a cannibal tow truck company that uh, I think Pawpaw uh, works for. So... Interesting things might happen in this episode. Yeah, I don't never know. know. But it is good to see you, although virtually here we are in our respective HQs. That's right. It's a lovely sort of gloomy Sunday. It's cold. And, uh, it's real cold, it's cold out. It's real cold. Was that scene from Howard Stern, the movie Private Parts, when he has that like uh, BDSM weather chick call in? She's oh, like, it's cold, real cold, but your ass is going to be pretty hot. <laughs> like, God, anyway. I haven't seen that movie in forever. I, I, That's I a great movie. Is it still hold up, you think? Oh, absolutely. I watch it a couple times a year. Okay. Great okay. movie. Great movie. Anyway, our Howard Stern podcast kicks off uh, this summer, so we'll <laughs> be looking out for that. Let's talk about a couple of things in the news. Let's do it. For, first thing, you know, we do this Metallica podcast, Ethan. Are you aware that we do a Metallica podcast? Is that what, we, what we've been doing for over four years now? One of the ways that I know that we do this podcast is that anytime anything happens with Metallica, a hundred people send it to us, which yeah. is cool. I mean, it's cool. It's like it's like having our own little like broadcast system out in the world. You right, know? right, right. And uh, I, a lot of people sent us this, but Metallica, in a rare licensing move, has given their song... Enter Sandman, the deep cut from the Black Album, right. to a Ford commercial. Sellouts. And we can, well, I mean, I think we can safely file this in uh, out of the 
this is not in the kill Bon Jovi column. True. This would be in whatever other columns there are. But here's the uh, here's what the it's for the Ford F one fifty Raptor. Ford's chief communications officer Mark Truby said. When we thought about what song captured the new Raptor in all its dune-bashing, desert-running glory, one stood out, Inner Sandman. Did it? That's the one? Dune-bashing, desert-running glory. It's a song that has almost never been used commercially, but luckily Metallica are Raptor fans. Now, when he says luckily Metallica are Raptor fans, I think we can distill that into James Hetfield is a Raptor fan. Probably, yeah. I don't think Kirk Hammett drives the F-150 Raptor. I mean, I could be wrong. I feel like Kirk Hammett drives one of those old uh, cars from the 60s, 70s that was a boat that also you could drive on land. <laughs> I feel he's, that just seems like the kind of car he would drive. Dude, wrong. Kirk rides a horse. That's true. Okay? Yeah. We saw it in the Some Kind of Monster film, and he's never had a different mode of transportation. It's he's a, riding it, a horse right now. Right. It's a, it's, he rides a horse, and then when he needs to go by sea, it's a surfboard. So he rides his horse to the beach to surf. Well, so have you seen this commercial? I haven't seen it yet. No, but um, I'm, I'm. Listen, I'm sure it's cool. I think good for them for licensing their song. If someone hit me up and said, "Hey, we want a, a song from Let It Burn for our uh, Yugo commercial," then I would be in. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple. If it's if if you own your song, uh, you can do whatever the fuck you want with it. Right. And it's also it's 2021 product- too. So if this was like 1991 or two. I could understand Metallica fans being like, what the fuck, man? Like, the record's different from Justice, now it's in a Ford commercial. But, yeah. I mean, gosh, the record's 30 years old at this point. But- I, I I wager to you, my friend Ethan, okay. that Metallica would have had a lot of principled reasons for not doing it then. Right. And I guess time changes, and, uh, you know, you own it, things change, and if you like the product and you want to do it, what the fuck? Who cares? Yeah, exactly. It's it's. I mean, they own the masters of their records. It, it's yeah, it's all it's good. Fine. You know, it's it's fine. It's hard. It's hard for me a little bit, but yeah, whatever. I don't care. I mean, I think it's a little different than when there was like a, I can't remember what car company it was, a GMC or something, where there was like a Buzzcock song in it, where from an era of music that was very anti that and, and you know anti corporation and all that. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean. They're using like Woody Guthrie holding his "This Machine Kills Fascist" guitar to sell <laughs> right. fucking Nikes. Exactly. But- There's something about it that's kind of weird to me, man. I don't. I know that all these guys listen, and I don't want to bum them out, but I also don't want to just kiss their ass and say everything they do is cool. Sure, it's hard for me, man. But I, but also, I'm not the target demographic. Like I watched the commercial, and it's intense, and kind of made me want to puke a little bit. It's like this dude gets up early. It's it's kind of like a little movie, by the way, which he w- he actually w- is pretty cool. He wakes up from Never Never Land. <laughs> no, no, he he he. It, it, they tie in like he's dreaming, but his alarm clock is Sandman. He clicks it off. The sun's not up yet, and he's got something to do. And he's like rolling out, and that's the songs listen to. So he's driving through all these mountains and off road, and the sun's coming up. And then he gets to the top, and then they show it like he has this little book, and I guess it's someone that he loved that died, and he puts a there's a pile of stones. And he puts a stone, and he's very intense looking. And they're mm. using all this to sell a car. But was there any dune bashing in the commercial? I didn't see a lot of dune bashing. Listen, I did see. Hold on, let me use the let me let me find the phrase they used. If there gonna... was some desert running glory, okay, there was, but no dune bashing though. I didn't see any dune. You know what? I need to watch it again. Because if there's one thing I want out of my Ford F one fifty, what's the model? The uh... it's the F one fifty Raptor. The bro. Raptor. If I am going to buy an F-150 Raptor, 
the first thing I'm going to do is go dune bashing. Well, let me read. Can I tell you what some of the features are? Please. The F-150 Raptor features an all-new five-link rear suspension, electronically controlled next-gen FOX Holy technology, shocks, with live valve technology, and it has over-the-air updates and is available with 37-inch tires. Whoa. So I think I just talked myself into it. Now, if you were out there <laughs> drive one of these cars or if you like Ford and all that, look, I'm not judging you. I really am not. But I have my own opinions about this, and they're mine. They're my little opinions. And... uh it did remind me that doesn't James have the Ford logo, but it says Lord. Uh, I th- doesn't he have that tattoo? I think so. Yeah. I'm, Is that your next tattoo? Yes. Well, <laughs> dude, I haven't been tattooed in like five years. I, I think you don't I'm, have I, any more real estate, bro. I You're do. Out. I, got, I have my face. I might get some Post Malone tattoos. I don't know. We'll yeah. see some Posty tribute tattoos. Yeah. I still do want more tattoos. I just I don't know. The older you get them, I just feel like it hurts more. Like the older I get. No, no, it's definitely something that you do a lot when you're younger, for yeah. sure. Like, I, when I, I got my first tattoo, I wanted a million immediately. Oh, it yeah. has that effect. It does, yeah. No, and it's then, like, very maybe, maybe Maybe four years ago, my wife gave me, like, a, a gift certificate for a tattoo, yeah. like a sizable tattoo. I still haven't used it. Wow. It sits, it's just sitting in our kitchen. <laughs> just because I'm like, ah, I mean, I'm 37. I got a couple tattoos. I like them. Yeah. I have good memories associated with them and i have some things i like i want to get nova's name classic dad crap sure but i'm like ah i'm too lazy or something i don't know i, I still there's still a couple spots I, I mean i would love to get the sides of my neck done you know yeah uh, i think that looks cool but i mean it's like my whole back is get, done my, my, my arms are covered you i should some, get an f-150 raptor tattoo on your neck and it says Gone dune bashing. <laughs> dune bashing baby <laughs> um the next thing that's happened is these walmart vinyls have finally been released these color variants and uh yeah. everyone's getting them and sending pictures and they look real cool did you get one of those vinyl the no, walmart I vinyl variants? I, I was planning on running run by walmart just to grab the lightning one because that's the one metallic record i have that's pretty worn down because it's an old it's like the it's like the first edition when electra put it out it's not just a megaforce one so it's pretty beat up and worn down. It plays, but I'd love to have like a really clean copy of Lightning. So they might still have it up at the Walmart by my house. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how many metalheads are going to that Walmart, but um, I might swing by there the next day or two and see if they have any left. I think we can also put partnership with Walmart outside of the Kill Bon Jovi column. <laughs> Probably. What do you what do you what do you what do you think about uh, that? I think my gut is telling me that yeah, I think it's probably not going to fit in the Kill Bon, jo- uh, bon Jovi era. <laughs> Um, Ford F one fifty commercial, Walmart. <laughs> uh, I sound like a grumpy jerk today. I apologize. Uh, no, I don't, you don't sound like a grumpy jerk. Okay, well, listen, this is an old school episode. We're bringing some old school attitudes. That's right, dude. We're doing. We're focusing on the eighties today. Let's just think about how eighties, you know, Metallica would would respond to the news of their future selves. Imagine uh, after Puppets was released, for instance. And they're approached yeah, by management. The Kill Bon Jovi days. Right. And Q Prime says, hey, we have an opportunity to re-release Kill Em All, Lightning, and Puppets in different colors through Walmart. I, I will, we'll move on from this because I think we've made our point here. But I will <laughs> leave you all to ruminate on Bob Schneider has, my friend Bob, has a great song called Everything You Love. And it's a really sweet song. But here's the chorus. And this is appropriate for what we're talking about. Okay. It goes a little something like this. God will destroy everything you love if you live long enough. And that's it. 
That's cool. Well, and that's it. That's you. You put time on something, and a lot of things change, baby. You go from Kill Bon Jovi to Walmart exclusive, and right. that's just time. That's just time. God will kill everything you love if you live long enough. Father, the time th- and the Lord will kill it <laughs> the, all. The last thing is uh, Metallica is appearing tonight for the Super Bowl special on the Late Show with Stephen Colbert, ten thirty Central. Any quick guesses to what they might perform? I mean, I'm guessing they're gonna they're gonna stick to the hits. Maybe maybe something off of Hardwired. Obviously, they'll do like Sandman. Maybe nothing else matters. Um, I don't know how long they're playing for. So yeah, right. I, I was actually just thinking they were gonna play one song, but I guess they might play more than one song. Yeah, I mean, if if it's a Super Bowl special, I mean, maybe yeah, maybe I'd say if they do like two or three songs, it'd definitely be Sandman. Yeah, maybe Sabbath True, and maybe something from Bells. Hardwired. Bells could be cool. Uh, fuel maybe fuel kind of goes with football in a way <laughs> i don't know and it, it's gonna get you pumped up to throw that pigskin around man give me fuel give me fire give me points which i desire <laughs> um okay well i guess we'll see and then we'll talk about it next week i'm sure we will you know why because we are a metallica podcast if you haven't heard yet that's what we do uh go leave us a positive review on itunes we gave out a bunch of gifts last week we did posters and such and guitar relics and all of this and uh, it goes a long way. It really helps us out. And we really appreciate it. We also have a Patreon. Everyone has a Patreon these days. They do. And uh, we really appreciate the support over there. And you get all sorts of stuff, access to Zoom hangs, and you know you get giveaways. And we, when the boys are touring, we give away tickets. We've given away a bunch of box sets. By the way, good time to jump on the Patreon train because this Black Album box set that's coming out, we will be giving away several of those. Oh, yeah. Whenever they're, they're announced and we can get our hands on them, they will go into your hands. We will shall pay it forward. So look, if you like the show, if you think the show has value, if we make you laugh, we make you cry, if we make you buy and stock up on almond butter from fucking Costco, uh, then you should consider supporting us over there. It's patreon.com slash metal up your podcast. And we'd like to at least say thank you to the people who get on board. So we want to say thanks to Constantine Leonardos and Colby Lannis increases pledge. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A hero come. Thank you. Thank you. I could be your hero. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. We could be heroes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I can be your hero, baby. I can kiss away the pain. I will stand by you forever You can take my breath away Do you know what the origin of that story is? I mean, we used to do it at soundchecks on tour. But yeah, you told me. Yeah, the first it was Willie it Nelson. Out. It was like Willie Nelson was playing, I think, Green Hall, which is a really cool historic, but small for him. Yeah. Big club in Texas, in Green, Texas. It's like maybe a thousand people. It's like a honky tonk. Right. And he's like telling a story in between songs. Wow, this next song's about. And someone yelled out the song Crazy. And like he's in mid talking. And yeah. he's like, wow. Well, and someone yelled out, he goes, Crazy, crazy for feeling so lonely. Thank you. Like, <laughs> that was him taking the request. I love it. Is he just sang a couple of lines? That's all you need to, all you need to do. <laughs> That's all. We're off to find the hero of the. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the request. It was ha- it was my pleasure to honor that request. <laughs> um, it reminds me of uh, some of my buds are in Alan Jackson's band, and we were doing a festival with Alan. He was headlining, of course, 
And we were we played a few slots before, and we were all just side stage watching Alan Jackson, which I get it. Like he's not my cup of tea. I don't sure. have any Alan Jackson records, but when it comes to like real nineties, like arena country, he's one of the you know granddaddies of that. Oh yeah, he totally is. And he didn't play any. He didn't play the full version of any of his songs. Wow, he it's did all like, like medleys or something. It was like. It was like verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Like hardly any solos. He just fucking hammered them, dude. Like it was a really a, quite a thing to see. If She's you, gone country. Like he would just do hit after hit after hit, but none of them were more than like a minute and a half. I mean, did he ha- did he have that many hits where he had yeah. to do that for all those songs? He had. That's why he did it. That's crazy. He did it because he has so many hits. Like he did a ninety minute set. We didn't watch that whole thing, but the first like thirty minutes was just hit, 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 hit. Hardly any solos, no interludes, no intros, no big outros, no talking. Wow. Just bing, bang, boom, boom, boom. Everyone going crazy. Everyone singing every word. Us all side stage with cocktails, like little rock and roll country misfits. Right. Having a fucking blast. That's awesome. <laughs> it was pretty cool to see. Man. I can't imagine like being, I mean, I don't know, maybe the country audience, audience is different, but imagine like, you know, when they used to play like, for instance, Metallica played the shortened version of Puppets. Yeah, which is still six minutes long or something, but <laughs> yeah. but you know they it, just didn't do that third verse. I feel like it'd be a bummer to go see Metallica and they just started knocking out hits like in, in, skipping totally. solos and stuff. But that's a, it's such a different genre of music. I don't know how many country fans of Alan Jackson are in the crowd going like they didn't play the solo. No, I mean so many of those songs were about the choruses. Yeah, totally. They just really were, and you know, solo sections in country music, and I say this with intimate experience. They really are just kind of fillery. They're, they're not memorable. They're not, and they're not designed to be. You know, the 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 breakdown to puppets, do dee dee do dee dee do That is intentionally as important to the song as the first verse, sure, as the yeah. chorus. Uh, you know, the solo to creeping death. That none of those things are just little bridges to get you to more choruses. Country solos so, are kind of like another reminder that this is a country song. They're, Let's they're, make it sound twangy and whatever. You know? Yeah, and, and they're take a sip of beer break. Yeah. You know? But 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 when you start hitting that boot scoot and boogie, which is B and D, but like she's gone country. Everyone's smiling. Everyone's hugging the girl they love. Yeah. Everyone's having a fucking good time. And when you're in that world and you see it from that level over and over, it it endears you to it. Like right. I get it. I get it. Sure. We would play we would play Rodney shows, and he had like ten number ones. And when we play the songs that people love, dude, I mean, he has a song called Watching You about his kid. People cry every show. Yeah. And whatever. I don't like that song, but I I like songs that have power and move people. Right. That's kind of like when so, me and you cried really hard at uh, in Detroit it, with Paul when they played mm-hmm. Battery. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I did, dude. When I've told the story, but when when I was front row in the snake pit and James came out and they started playing hardwired, I did. I got a huge lump in my throat mm-hmm. and almost started crying. Came right to the edge, mm, right on the edge of that cliff. Okay, what else do we got here? We're on the socials: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, YouTube, and the Discord. You can find the link to the Discord on our Instagram bio. And if you really can't find it, you're having trouble, shoot us a slide into our DMs wherever you do that crap. If you really we'll can't sure find it, maybe there. you don't deserve to be there. Well, I I wasn't gonna say it, but if you can't click on a link on an Instagram page, and, but you said it, but I, I said it. Say it, listen, you it's said the eighties. So. Listen, Kill Bon Jovi, man. <laughs> uh, the Lunar Satan shit is happening. Uh, the the test pressings I received, the test pressings turned out great. You are getting a test pressing, by the way. Merry Sick. Christmas, and uh, 
all the printed material is being sent to the pressers, and then they're going to start making that vinyl. The cassettes are on their way. My other album, Vampire, is done. That's coming out soon. It's coming out Valentine's Day. Yeah. So we're finishing the artwork now. So that's all exciting stuff. Be on the lookout for that. We are going to head to the email corner, where it's the easiest way you can get hold of us, and has been since the beginning. Throwback episode vibes. That's right. It's metalupyourpodcastshow at gmail.com. And uh, let's kick it to the email corner and see what's up. Let's do it. I figure in the spirit of early episodes, you could lead us off this week on emails. You know what? What a fantastic idea, man. Yeah, thank you. Gosh, I, thank you for saying that. And you're like a visionary or something, man. Tuts. All right, our first email is from our good friend, Namarta. She says, hi, guys. Been a while since I sent an email. Thank you for creating this community. I'm currently on a... Been a while. Been a while. It was, it was so real. Uh, she says, I'm currently right. on a Zoom call with Zach, Van, and Stan, and it's such an amazing experience that would never have occurred without you guys. So keep on keeping on. Be well, stay safe, and have fun always. Love, Namarta. That's cool. Yeah, I saw them on the Discord kind of chatting about that, like a bit, a bit of an impromptu Zoom hang, and say, like, hey, let's get on Zoom. Who wants to do it? That's the fun of Discord, everybody, is that you can get on there, you can connect with people, make friends you didn't think you had before, get on Zoom calls, uh, get some recipes from Namarta's Kitchen, whatever you want to do. You could find uh, you could find your long-lost dad on there, That's right. I bet. Dad. <laughs> I mean, dad? Are you my dad? Um, okay, next up we have Matt Kerr. And he says, hey, guys, I wanted to run something by you about a subject that you've talked about before. The subject is how much is art separate from the artist? And then he says what prompted this. So he had this thing happen on Twitter um, where some chick who was the co-host of a popular podcast who was anonymous. She a bunch of people wanted to figure out who she was. So this is what started this debate. Okay, does that I hope I distilled that. I got a picture. Um. He says, we got into a back and forth about how much a creator's personal backstory is relevant. I argued that it's extremely relevant, and I cited a few examples, including Metal Up Your Podcast, of how knowing someone's backstory makes the art more interesting. Would Metal Up Your Podcast be interesting if the two co-hosts were just two schmoes in Tennessee talking about Metallica? No, he says. The fact that you're professional musicians is part of the art that's the Metal Up Your Podcast episode. I think this is true of most creative content. Do you think it's normal for fans to want to know more about the content creators? I feel like people who don't want to know this type of information simply aren't paying attention and accept art at its face value. He says the Unforgiven is more than just a neat metal ballad. It's part of James's life story. Thoughts? Uh, I agree in that I think that people do want to know more about content creators, whether that's podcasters, musicians, uh, painters, whatever. If you're a fan of somebody, I think it's a natural a natural instinct to want to know more about that person to maybe better understand why they do what they do or why they write the lyrics they do or paint what they paint, etc. Um. Okay. Well, here's what I think about That's just this. my quick, quick, my hot take real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Um, people definitely want to know yeah. now because here's what art does. Art makes a personal connection to you. And so it's only natural that me who grew up listening to, the Unforgiven 2, let's just use The Unforgiven 2. That song feels so personal to me. It, it almost feels like I could reach out and touch James Hetfield or touch that song. Mm-hmm. Does that make yeah, sense? Sure. I know that sounds weird, but that song was my friend. Yeah. 
it is my friend. That song got me through hard times. That is all one sided. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's like, it's like, you know, there's a documentary about the making of Imagine where this guy ends up at Ascot on John Lennon's lawn. And John Lennon's like, what are you doing here, dude? And the guy's like, well, you wrote, you wrote to me in your song. Yeah. And John Lennon's like, huh? No, I didn't. And he's like, well, when you said, and he's, he's reciting the lyrics to the song Dig a Pony. And John Lennon's like, I wasn't writing that to you, dude. Yeah. I don't know who you are. I was writing it for Yoko. Yeah. So, so here's what I'll say to this. Uh, totally natural that people want to know more. People want to see behind the curtain. But here's the deal. Uh, it, you do not need to know about these people's lives. And in fact, learning about them will ruin it for you. Oh, yeah. And here's a perfect example. Speaking of The Unforgiven, I don't know what The Unforgiven's about. Do you know what The Unforgiven I is don't. about? I don't. No. Now, I know that James Hetfield is is a guy with demons. I know that he had a tough time because his mom died. I know his dad wasn't around. I know he had a tough time in school because of his religious beliefs, or or rather the religious beliefs foisted upon him from right, his parents. Yeah. I know that he's an alcoholic. Uh, you know, like yeah. those are some general things I know about him. I think even all that's too much. Sure. But here's what I know about The Unforgiven. I love it, and it means something to yeah. me. And I don't need to know what new blood joins this earth and quickly he's subsumed. Like a guy's born, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? For sure. Wayne Isham injected some meaning into the video, which might not even really be what Hetfield's vision was. And that's true for art, dude. Like, I don't know what any of my favorite songs really mean. Mm -hmm. And I know that the more you get to know behind the curtain, the more power it loses because life's just sort of disappointing in well, that it, way. Do you see oh, what I'm I saying? absolutely do. And, and would, you would probably agree with this. A lot of the power of of songs and albums that have impacted us for so many years in our lives, I, I th like you said, I think if you look too far behind the curtain, that power goes away. And I think the a lot of times the mystery of those songs is what gives it power too, and and, well, and that's what yes. makes it easy to maybe interpret it a little bit differently than maybe its original intention to to kind of put in your own life. Like this song is speaking that's to me, but if I know the actual meaning behind it, it might ruin that. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. What 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 it needs to be, and this is like Dylan's entire career. What it needs to be is, he created a song for whatever reason. He had he's an artist, so he had to make a yeah. thing. However, you glom onto it or project your own thing into it, that's what you do in mm -hmm. art. And so, a lot of people will do this. You know, when when someone's like, "What does that song mean?" A lot of artists who I think are astute about this exact axiom that we're discussing will say, "I'm not going to tell you what it means because it doesn't yeah. matter." What what that song means to me doesn't matter, and it would just to 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 put it in concrete would ruin yeah. it. Now, in terms of us, like, does is our show better because we are professional musicians? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, maybe so. he, he does say at one point he says, "Would Melody Podcast be interesting if the two co-hosts were just two schmoes in Tennessee?" Well, first of all, we are just two schmoes. In Tennessee. <laughs> we we are. <laughs> we're definitely not not schmoes. But, I understand what he's saying, though. I, I think yeah, with, yeah. in regards to you and I in the show, I think the fact that we do have years and years of experience of touring and making records and learning instruments and all that stuff, that is, I, I would say it's more of a leg up as far as starting a podcast about a band. Well, it's credentials. Yes. It's just being credentialed. It's having it's having access to the inner workings of what we're talking about. It's like I need the doctor who's looking at my teeth to be credentialed in dentistry. Right. Now, does that make does that make him a good dentist? Yeah, but we're not talking about science or we're we're talking about yeah. art. 
So like when it comes to a song or a film or a story or a book, like I think one of the examples he used was like knowing about F. Scott Fitzgerald's life, not being able to enjoy the book, The Great Gatsby without knowing about F. Scott Fitzgerald's life, which I just, I don't, I don't get it. You know, I, I read The Great Gatsby when I was a kid, didn't know shit about F. Scott Fitzgerald or his wife or his crazy opulent life. And I loved the right. book. You know, I, I don't I don't think you need to know about these people to enjoy it. I just really don't. And in fact, I think learning more about them will ruin it. Yeah, so totally. I hate to I hate to disagree with you so intensely, Matt. It's a super interesting concept. And I'm, there's exceptions to every rule. Of course, rule yeah, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of songs out there that the, the artist, when their song gets released, I mean, puts out every detail. Hey, this is why I wrote this song. This is what I was going through. And I think if that kind of comes out initially before you have time to maybe uh, take that song in personally, then maybe that's a little different because then you, you're going into that song or that record knowing what it's about and the backstory of it. Um, but yeah, a song like Unforgiven that for decades, it's like, I don't really know what the true meaning of that is, but it's still it still hits me in the plums. Well, and I've actually played for artists that I really looked up to before I started working with them and, and it change the way I hear the music, you know, because you see, you know, you see all the good about it and you, you just, when you see how the, how the pudding's made, it changes things, you know? And I think even the way that, I think even the way that we've been like extremely accessible to listeners of the show has been mostly good for us, but it also probably takes away from the mystique and the power. And then here's what someone who has more access to me sees me be grumpier, (laughs) me be depressed, me, be messy and human and all that's real cool in real relationships and friendships. It gets real weird when it's, when it's art and people who just like your art. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't know if I'm describing this well. I think, I think you are. And I also think that we've, you and I have gotten lucky with this podcast where the bit of the curtain we have pulled back is almost been an advantage for us where maybe I was, I was nude by, yeah, well, we both were, um, (laughs) We 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 won't pull the curtain back any further to reveal that, but well, you know, I think that that's that. According to feedback over the years, that's one of the appealing things of our show is that it's relatable, and you know, the things we've gone through are relatable to other people, and so that connection has you know solidified with a lot of people over the years. So, and that's great, you know. But uh, yeah, we're not going to pull that curtain back to reveal me and Clint's nude hangout time. Well, what you what you see is you see that my upper torso naked, of course, like Thor or something. Right. I mean, a lot like Thor course, actually. Yeah. And by Thor, I mean Chris Hemsworth or Jason Momoa, both. Yeah, I mean the Thor. I, I was picturing the Thor from Adventures and Babysitting with Christina Apple or was it Elizabeth Shue? Elizabeth Shue. But if you pull the curtain back further, you see that I'm half man, half horse. I'm like a, a min, minotaur or whatever, Ooh. centaur, or whatever. <laughs> you have a trident in your hand. Everyone's like, I liked Metal Gear Podcast before I saw too much of Clint and I saw that he was a minotaur and now <laughs> I, and now it's just too weird for me. All right, thank you, Matt. Uh, next up. Thanks, Matt. The next email is from Eric Dallager. He says, does anybody else have this terrible feeling that SNM 2 gigs could possibly be Metallica's last show ever? I'm Ooh. talking in-person Rita Stadium type shows. I don't even want to say it out loud and speak the words into existence there. I said it. Uh, no, I, I don't. I, I totally disagree. No, I don't think so at all. I, I don't. I mean, it, the only way that would be a yes is if that was the case for every artist in the world wasn't able to tour ever again. Um, <clears throat> but no, I, I don't think. I, I think Metallica will, will be jumping at the opportunity to get out and, and be playing shows in front of an audience when the green light happens. And I, 
I think what he's sort of intimating about is like James kind of, you know, needing to go get well, the world changing, the world getting real weird, mm-hmm. their age. You know what I mean? Like sure. it, it, the idea being when it is all running again, is James going to be like, ah, let's be done. Let's go out on a huge three year sold out stadium arena tour. I don't think so. You know, I, I don't think so either. I mean, I dude, they're, gonna, they're already like, you know, they're making a new album. In a very uh, what was it the, uh, with the iceberg reference? What was that called? Uh, writing new songs and oh, glacial, a glacial pace. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I yeah. mean, they're already working on tunes in some capacity. They got stuff on the books. Yeah, you know, the contracts are signed. They got They still have stuff to, to 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 fulfill. And I mean, look at the Pandemica show. I mean, look how excited James James. They all look so happy to be on stage together. I think we got another ten years. Hell yeah, I'm down. And then that means another twenty years of the podcast, and the exact, and that so that means what another metallic one, two more metallic records, maybe right, and that means that we're all going to be roller skating in our in our late sixties. Our grand, together. our grandkids are going to be like helping us onto the roller skating rink with our fanny packs and our. Uh, our Welcome walk-ins. to Metal Up Your Podcast. Who is this? <laughs> Joyce, is that you? Okay. <laughs> why, why, why is there a long-haired man on my computer screen? He's a long-haired man on a carpet. I, he called him Torgan? Torgan? Torgan. Torgan. I think he's from from some Europa country. Let's remember to all have fun always. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, we end our lives as moles. They talk about someone named David Mustang. <laughs> I could have sworn that was one of my granddaughter's boyfriends. What was his name, David Mustang, or did David drive a Mustang? Oh, I hell's bells, I can't remember. I think David drove a Mustang. He drove a bright red Mustang, and he said, peace sales, but who's smiling? That's what it was. Killing is my business, and business ain't great. I love our old guys. We need to do some, our like, me and you as old guys. That would be really funny. Oh, All right. Man, yeah. Jared Mason says, what's up, Clint and Ethan? I was listening to the GNR episode the other day, and I admit I didn't finish it because it made me want to listen to the album so badly. I rediscovered how great they are in the monster ballad November Rain. Since then, I've watched a couple of documentaries on Amazon, one about Metallica and the other about GNR, both by director Bob Caruthers. Have you seen them? I have not. I have not. They're interesting because they're narrated by mainly music critics, so you get a lot of unbiased opinions, some of which are tough to hear about bands you love. For instance, it is definitively stated that Jason's bass on Justice was cut on purpose to mess with him, and it's which I don't think that's definitive. I don't either. Yeah. And if it's just a bunch of music critics, they don't know. Music critics don't know shit. That's, I mean, that's their job is to critique something with their own opinion. It's their job to not know shit. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Unless you're Mick Wall. Sure. And it's discussed how Guns N' Roses became a parody of themselves with the Use Your Illusion albums. Interesting takes on both bands. I don't think they became a parody of themselves. I think I think that Axel just wanted to take, you know, he didn't want to go to the next stepping stone in their career. He wanted to go 10 stepping stones away, you know. And, and Yeah, exactly. I mean, to go from uh, freaking Appetite for Destruction to Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 is insane. I mean. Yeah. I mean, that's. A, a parody. A parody would be. You know, track one of Usual Illusion One being "Welcome to Mr. Bungle." You know, <laughs> "Welcome to the Rainforest." <laughs> it wouldn't be like you got Axel in "Welcome to the Jungle," okay? Fresh off a bus from Indiana, looking like 
a heroin junkie from hell in a good way. Right. Okay. Fast forward a few short years, and he's wearing like a British red coat and like purple tinted glasses and a headband, and he's like got a long Cruella Deville cigarette, and he's sitting at a piano. Like, wait, what? That's not a parody. Did he have that piano on the bus from Indiana? <laughs> I mean, to me, the jump is like just crazy artistic evolution. But yeah, and it just goes to show if that's what they're saying in these films, it just means critics don't know shit. That's right. What is that funny saying? Like, those who can't do teach, and those who can't teach teach Jim. Teach Jim, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, also. I feel like I am a grumpy asshole today. You're not a grumpy asshole. It, this is fun. I'm having a good time. Okay. Again, I'm, may I remind you, this the is our Kill Bon Jovi era episode, so a, a little grumpiness is okay. Also, while listening to the newest episode last night, I jumped on the Lunar Satan train and downloaded it on iTunes. Clint, bravo, my friend. I truly enjoyed the sounds and lyrics. The solos were killer. I enjoyed the Duhas riff on Mirage, and there was definitely one song that made me think of Paul and his perfectly tuned Wanted Dead or Alive guitar. Please keep us informed if you tour on the album. I would love to catch a show. I also volunteer to be a guitarist for you on that tour. Ooh. That's how much I enjoyed the riffage. To me, I classify this album up there with David Grohl's metal project, Probot. I hope writing the album with the metal Satan mindset was as fun as it is to listen to. Finally, I recently took engagement photos of my wife and can't wait to get them back and send you one. I think you'll appreciate it because I showed up to the photo shoot in my Metallica shirt, which which my wife said, OMG, you did it with a fake smile on her face. I got a couple of pics in the shirt to pay homage to the boys. When my invitations go out, anyone that knows me will appreciate that photo. I did bring sweaters to wear for most of the shoot. As always, thanks for the episodes and sense of community. Jared Mason, he wore the Metallica shirt to his wedding invitation photos to basically say, here's what he's trying to say, okay? Here's what he's saying to his wife, his his, his soon-to-be wife, and and to the world. Hey baby, I like Metallica. I like them. It's it, it's a thing. This is me. This is me. Me in a Metallica shirt. That's me. And you have to take me as I fucking am. Mm-hmm. Marry me as I am till death do us part. You'll have to pry this Metallica shirt off my cold, dead Minotaur torso. <laughs> I feel like I'm saying. I feel like it's not a Minotaur that's half is it horse, centaur. Is it? Let's look it up because because here's what I don't need in my life even. Let's just, I'm going to start leaning into the grumpiness. Here's what I don't need. Okay. Uh, emails correcting me about a fucking minotaur. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Okay, in Greek mythology, a minotaur is a mythical creature portrayed in classical times with the head and tail of a bull and the body of a man. Ooh. So that's a bull. I think a centaur is is the a centaur, uh, half man, half the horse. upper body of a human and the lower body and legs of a horse. A horse. Honey, I met the nicest man on Misconnections. He had the, <laughs> well, he... Honey, please. He had the head of an Adonis, and he had long hair like in. You remember when Brad Pitt was in Legends of the Fall? Oh, honey, and how he was can I he had to go away, and his name was Tristan. That's what his head was like, honey. Please, his torso was like that of a stout horse. It's, honey, it was like a steed. It was just a, we had a like, lot of fun. It was like uh, what's the what's the horse movie? The Black Stallion. <laughs> well, it was a big. It was a horse book first. First, it was a horse book, and then they made it into a horsey movie, The Black Stallion. That's right, great movie, honey. I love it. Okay, somehow we slipped into some Joyce talk there. I don't know how that happened. Uh, thank you for the email, Jared. I'm glad you enjoy Lunar Satan, and uh, 
let's just have everybody who wants to be in the band and uh, everyone who can play it all and wants to play it all. Just we'll all show up together. It'll be Lunar Satan, but the polyphonic spree version. Yeah, we, we 47 should, members of the band. We should all be able to fit into uh, the, my forerunner to go on the road together. Okay, cool. With all the HQ gear. Yeah. Forerunner. HQ Forerunner. Ba -da 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 -da. I'm loving right. it. Uh, last email, email is from Van. He says, what's up, brothers? The conversation with Kurt Ozan was great. Ethan, I think once you mentioned you knew Bruce or other people from Living Sacrifice, this would uh, this would have been years ago on the show. Are those relationships still active? Might it be possible to get him on the show one day, or do you think the crossover with Christian Rock would be weird for the Middle People Podcast brand? If so, I understand. Uh, I still appreciate some of those bands from the era, but my feelings about Christian Rock are pretty complicated, to say the least. Uh, I should also add that one of the best nights of my teenage life was seeing the Supertones in Knoxville in 1997. Crazy. That was actually before me. Um, I still have my Stavesacre shirt from that show. I think my sister had the Supertones shirt we shared. So, you know, thanks. Uh, he ends by saying, Zoom, Metal Beer Podcast, hang out soon. Yeah, that'd be fun. We haven't done one of those in a while. We will do a we will do a a Patreon Zoom soon for sure. Um, in regards to Bruce, yes, we are still friends. Um, and no, I don't think it'd be weird to have him on the show. Um, Absolutely not. not at all. Uh, we've we've talked about having Bruce on before. Oh, for, uh, probably for a couple of years at this point. So like Bruce always comes to our parties and. Bruce is. A I don't great know. Him. Dude. I don't. You, you're super close to him, but I've met him through you. For mm -hmm. I've known him for a couple of years now, and Bruce is awesome. Bruce and is great. Awesome dude. Big Metallica fan. Uh, and you know, in, in my opinions, uh, as in regards to it being weird on, on, on our show, because it's from the Christian metal world or whatever, I haven't been in that world for a long time. I'm at the point now in my life where I don't really separate them to me. Is it good or is it not good? Like living sacrifice is a badass metal band. You know, I loved all those bands. I, he mentions having a Stavesaker shirt. I mean, Stavesaker was one of my, I mean, I guess they still are kind of one of my favorite bands. Stavesaker is awesome. Yeah. I mean, even their early stuff like Friction and and uh, what's the one after Absolutes. Friction? Absolute, yeah. But but the one I came online with was Speakeasy. Yeah, that's a and, great record. And I saw them on the Speakeasy tour, um, open for Living Sacrifice. So this would have been two thousand one or yeah. two. So obviously, uh, over you know almost two decades before I would meet Bruce, right? Totally. But and Project eighty six was on that bill, and I know you have history with that band and. I was into the Christian metal yeah. hard rock scene too, and I'm with you. I mean, you're a religious. Well, you're not really religious, but you're a spiritual guy. Yeah, you're a Christian. You, I think, you identify as. Yes. I'm an atheist. I don't think either of us give a shit. So no. having Bruce on or anyone from that world, if they want to talk about Metallica, I can't imagine being a problem unless they want to like pray for us or something. <laughs> which even that would be fine. If you want to come on and pray for That'd us, that'd be fine. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Sure. No, but. Uh, yeah. Listen, if, if anyone even listening has not heard Living Sacrifice, you should check it out. I would suggest checking out a record called Reborn or The Hammering Process. They're just a brutal ass. I know that the term brutal gets, gets thrown around a little too easy in the metal world, but they are a brutal band. Um, and Bruce, they were definitely the, the most brutal people. band on the bill that night. Oh yeah, they they were one of the opening on one of the Demon Hunter tours I did. I only did two tours. They were one of the uh, I think they were direct support. Uh, on one of those tours, and like it was just so fun to watch them every night. Um, but they do more of like the screamy stuff. Yeah, it's more screamy, growly kind of stuff. But listen, I'd rather listen to Living Sacrifice than I would Cannibal Corpse, or oh my god, a, a lot, yes. a lot of the like. I never got into a lot of death metal stuff where it's just the whole time, dude. I would rather listen to Fabio spoken word poetry. Ooh, I'd rather listen to Fabio do slam poetry about the time a goose hit him in the face. <laughs> 
<laughs> then to hear 20 seconds of Cannibal Corpse. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'd rather hear Fabio with the goose face read the phone book. That's right. Then listen to, which by the way, Cannibal Corpse has a new album coming out. Yeah, so we've heard. Um, few people. It have, promises to be exactly like all 20 albums before it. And get this, Clint, they have a new guitarist. Oh, really? Well, because their last one went insane and was. I think they probably. Set a house on fire. Or that, or I think the, the other band members ate him. <laughs> I think they probably just had him for dinner one That's night. That's what they do when they get new members. They just sort of ritualistically eat each other. Yeah. Like, um, well, listen, it's that simple. We will talk in the email corner for whatever you want to talk about, as long as we like it. And, uh, you know, we get to make those decisions because we're the daddies. That's we're right. the papa bears. That's right. And uh, we do appreciate all of you who write in. Once again, show at gmail.com. And we're going to get out of the email corner because I'm anxious to hear what these lists are. So uh, let's hear from Patreon, and then we will jump into the list. Sounds good. Hey everyone, this is Ethan and Clint. We're here to tell you about supporting the show via Patreon. That's right. Every week, Ethan and I work hard to bring you the best Metallica content possible. If you think the show has value, consider supporting us on a financial level at Patreon. For $5 a month, or the price of two cups of coffee, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast continues to grow in quality and content. But that's not all. In addition to being able to help sleep at night for supporting your favorite podcast, we've also come up with incentives to say thank you that are exclusively available to patrons. For example, for a pledge of $5 or more, you immediately get free downloads of every cover our world black and ep ticket giveaways for shows like snm2 and slain castle box sets rare vinyl metallica memorabilia like snm2 guitar picks email priority meaning we'll read your email first on the show with a chance to ask guests like hailstorm jay weinberg of slipknot and metallica row crew your very own questions and the opportunity to come on the show as a guest for our metal tales bonus episodes in which you can tell us all about any Metallica show you've been to in the past. All this and more for becoming a patron and supporting Metal Up Your Podcast. We couldn't do this show without you, and to everyone on the ride with us, we sincerely thank you. Peace. Adios. So we're going to start with your list. We're going to do 10 to 1. And I think also in the spirit of keeping it OG, um, people can write in and let us know what theirs are too. That's right. And it might be fun to even make some playlists with some of these and hear how they burn down. So I don't know if you did it this way, but I didn't try to pick what I thought were the best. Like this wasn't like Alien Life Has Visited Earth and these are the 10 songs that they need to know about Metallica to understand Metallica. I just did the shit I like. Me too. And I can, I can, listen, for example, I'll tell you right off the bat, Master Puppets is not on my list. Same. Okay. So yeah, Same. that's that. That was kind of what I, how I was uh, approaching it as well. I just I do have some pretty me... big. I do have some pretty big classics on here, but Puppets isn't on there. Yeah, and that's that's easily like one of their greatest songs. Ever, of course. So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I kind of I kind of went on feel. You know, uh, general feel. Whether I've seen the song live or how it makes me feel personally, mm-hmm. um, maybe my history with the song and all sorts of things were running through my head when I was making this list. But I feel pretty solid about it and. Uh, Shall I just jump into it? Let's jump into it. Let's, let's start at 10, and we'll go down to 1. All right, number 10, I have Motor Breath. Hmm. Okay. I th- Love that song. A thrash classic, if you will. Um, like a lot of my lists, when, when, when they're not really any songs I don't like, obviously, because this is just a best of top 10 80s releases. So really, you're just talking about four records. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, Motor Breath is just... Shoot, I mean, it, it's such a great song. I think it's one of the more melodic songs off of Kill 'Em All. Um, there's a lot of that 
you know, screamy stuff on the first record. You know, that James was still coming to his own as a vocalist and stuff like that. And I think your cover, Motor Breath, is a good example of that melody that is is in there and maybe even slightly hidden with how aggressive his vocals are. Yeah, totally. It's like, well, thank you for saying that. I agree. My cover of Motor Breath brings out all the chef's kiss uh, melodic nuances of the song. Couldn't agree more. And I'm still waiting for the fruit basket from James Hetfield. Hasn't right. made it yet. Um, I'll, I'll settle for a singing telegram, but I was expecting, if I'm being honest, I was expecting more of a fruit basket. I say aim and, higher, uh, man. I say aim for a F-150. Hey, well, hey, you know what they can give us now? An F-150 Raptor. Maybe the maybe the next Raptor commercial. <laughs> maybe the next Raptor commercial is the end of the day when that guy comes back from dune bashing, and he's getting back into bed to go drift off to Never Neverland, and then your <laughs> motor breath cover comes on, and he just drifts off to sleep. I mean, where are they going to sell us tomorrow? I mean, is the Inner Sandman brings you fucking, you know? Mattress, mattress company, bland, <laughs> just simply mat. Is are we going to be getting through the never selling us orange drink? Just is any, that what's next? Any orange drink? <laughs> just orange drink. It's the new tang. Have you had it lately? <laughs> we have orange. We have grape. We have cherry. We Metallic. have cola. And the song behind it, creeping death, ruining all your favorite songs with corporate advertising. Okay. I do think also that Motor Breath is like their most, uh, the two songs I think that are their most like punk rock. Yes. Are Motor Breath and Attitude. Yeah. They have that that great um, Motorhead vibe. Absolutely, yeah. Maybe Metal Militia too. Yeah, Metal Militia. But Metal Militia is definitely real flashy though. It is, yeah. Like, that's, I'd say that's maybe more in, in the motor, uh, Motorhead. I'm trying to think of what thing. else would sound more punk rock. It's really those two that come to mind. Those two come to mind for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, they kind of you know jumped away from that a bit on you know by the time they got to lightning. But mm-hmm. all right, well, what's number nine? Motor no, breath. That's n- a good choice. Number nine. I'm going with the shortest straw. Deep cut off of Justice, of course. Um, this one, as long as I can remember, liking the Justice record. This one always stood out to me because it was never like a huge song for them. Um, and I would just love the riffs, and it was one of the, I guess it, I connected with it a lot because it was one of the first songs on Justice besides the intro to One that I could play the riffs smoothly at a young age. Because they're mm-hmm. not crazy hard, you know, just the, um, just dun 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 You know, um, and I just, you know, I, I love, I love the, t- um, the, the beat changes, and, you know, I love that it's not just thrash the whole time. You know, you've got, more of the halftime or straight time thing in the verses, or I'm sorry, in the in that riff, I was just lovingly singing, and gr- you know, great lead work by Kirk, great bridge riffs. All I mean, there's so many cool guitar parts in this song, and uh, yeah, just a favorite of mine. Shortest Girls Killer, the Metallic Chat guys, which Metallic Chat's another Metallica podcast out there. I think there are seven hundred thousand now, but um, there is, yeah. They posted a video of like Load era live Metallica playing the Shortest Straw, yeah, which was cool. It had this like cool different energy to it you know it's like short hair it's basically like cunning stunts yeah but they're playing a deep cut justice song so cool because the only justice songs that got a lot of love at that time would be like one i mean not even blackened got played like i think it was just one maybe and jason would jason would doodle like to live as a die a little bit maybe harvester of sorrow maybe harvey yeah but but not a lot otherwise so to see them do shortest straw is really fun right all right, number eight. Number eight, uh, back to Kill 'Em All, the Four Horsemen. Um, 
This was a little tough to put down at number eight because I love the song so much. And I've said this before. I think I think this song, especially in the, that really pretty melodic bridge, is really, home, Alabama. It's home, Alabama. Exactly. I don't know. I feel like that part of the song is just like a glimpse of what's to come with Metallica. That's one of my favorite solos on Kill 'Em All. Is the yeah. solo over the don't 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 Yep, totally. Yeah, and 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 like I said, I mean, it, it was a glimpse into the future for me of what Metallica could do melodically. A glimpse through the hall, the hallowed halls of time. I grabbed my crystal ball. I looked into the orb and I saw. What would become wonderful lead guitar work? By uh, just Mr. as Kirk Thor Hunt. traverses through the Tesseract, so I was uh, bl- well blasted through time by the middle section of the vault. But yeah. And then I got into my Ford F-150 Raptor. Well, when dune bashing and desert romping and playing the rocks in a pile and uh, biding time. Yeah, we're biding my time. One likes to uh, travel in style. The sand dunes of time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, there's the limit. Okay. Yeah. Number uh, seven. Forestman. Number seven, Fade to Black. Okay. Uh, I think you might understand why this is lower on the list once we get up a little higher here. Um, obviously nothing bad to say about Fade to Black. It is a masterpiece. Absolutely. Um, one of the best songs of all time in the metal genre that has no chorus. Yes. And, uh, that was, that's always been intriguing to me about that song and just the journey it takes you on from a nice, you know, melancholy, tender intro with a beautiful Kirk lead and a, a key change to the verses into that whole just freaking epic journey towards the end in the outro with Kirk's lead and stuff. It's just masterpiece. It's a masterpiece, man. It really is. I'm kind of pissing myself for making it number seven, but that's okay. This is only ten songs out of four albums, so. Yeah. I'm tracking with you, baby. Uh, Number six, Dyer's Eve. I don't think anyone will be surprised that that song made your list. I know. You love it. And I know everyone's thinking probably Blacken's number one or something, but just be patient, my baby. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Dyer's Eve. What can you say? I mean, I think probably one of the pinnacle thrash songs, not only for Metallica, but of the 80s thrash era for any band. And just, and just a great ending to the record, too. Yeah. Just a great little, like, you know, a great little punctuation mark on a brutal album. Yeah. Where they definitely... You know, the whole idea of like Black, they did what they set out to do on Justice, which was to sort of prove their dexterity and their their progressive muscle. And I love that, that they end that with Dire Z because then they would famously really never go back to that until Death Magnetic. Yeah. That like crazy, progressive, long, fast, double kick. I mean, the, the, the double kick in the verses of Dire Z is like insane. It's totally insane, yeah. Even even in the intro, uh, I mean, I can't even play it on drums where they do the boom, He's catching every cymbal in the studio. You know what? I can't even play that on drums. Well, listen, can your daughter? Because she's got a drum kit in the other room. She probably could. She's been practicing Dire Z lately? Yeah, we like to start and end every day with about three to five hours of practicing Dire Z. So Perfect. she's getting pretty good at it, yeah. Daddy, for asking. I need to do homework. No, you will practice Dire Z for the next three Yeah, by hours. homework, do you mean practice the, uh, the, the the double kick in the verses of Dire Z? Yes, Daddy. Yes, please. Yeah, yes, so I, That's the homework uh, I'm talking about. I will say this. So far, 
uh, out of your first five, okay. we have zero overlap. Really? Okay. Zero. Zero percent. Zero that's pretty percent. low. Oh yeah, that's, zero percent is pretty low. That's pretty low. I'd say it's it's adequately low. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> okay uh, number five, sanitarium. Okay. Yeah. Do we have it overlap or no? Well, don't don't say it now. Obviously, don't give don't give up. Don't pull the curtain too far back. Okay. Um, we don't want to reveal the Cenotar or Centaur. Centaur. We don't want to reveal Ted Cruz, the Cenotar. The Cenotar. <laughs> Let's not reveal him. Um, yeah, Sanitarium. I mean, another masterpiece, in my opinion. Uh, Dude, the funniest video I've seen in a long time, but it's a weird video, and I can't find it anymore. It definitely got taken down. Okay. Is, remember when they were when they were touring, they would do two weeks on, two weeks off, and usually before the start of the next two-week run, they would get to whatever city they were in, and they would basically rehearse for a day right. on that stage, wherever they were. Yep. So if the first show back is Lisbon, they're in Lisbon on the Lisbon stage rehearsing. Yes. Instead of in a tuning room. Right. And it was one of those, and I I don't I don't know. There's some speculation about how healthy James was at this point. This is kind of towards the end, okay? Sure, sure. And they're going through. If, if, if anyone who's watched a lot of these tuning rooms, like I have, which I think I've watched every tuning room ever, it's a lot of James being like, "All right, what is what do you want to work on?" To Lars, and it's Lars or Rob who usually suggest shit. Right. Kirk Kirk's usually having an assistant. Roll his sleeve up for him, okay? <laughs> well, he sips and he's tea. just sitting there with the volume down, like wailing, like yeah. working on his getting his fingers loose. Kirk's never the guy going, let's work on Creeping Death or whatever. Yeah. James never seems to want to be there, but he always has the attitude of like team player. Yeah. And it's really rare that James is like, we need to work on A, B, and C. It's always Lars, okay? So, and Lars will usually have a list. He's like made a list. Maybe something that didn't work the night before, or maybe yeah, they're trying sure. a new song. In the rotating slot the next day, blah, blah, blah. So Lars is looking at his list and he calls Sanitarium Welcome Home. Just Welcome Home. He goes, Well, maybe we should work on Welcome Home. And I remember when I watched it for the first time, I was like, That's weird. So the song's called, actually, is called Welcome Home. And then Sanitarium's in parentheses. Right, yeah. But no one's ever called it Welcome Home. Right. I mean, that is, it would make more sense when you read it for it to be called Welcome Home. Yeah. And and or welcome home sanitarium. Yeah, you know, but it's always been called sanitarium. Yeah, it's and so Lars calls choice. it. So Lars calls it welcome home by itself. Yeah, and dude, the band, especially James, give him so much shit. They are laughing pretty hard at it. Yeah, that's they're like, awesome. what? They're like, what song is welcome home? When have we ever called it that? I and know. Lars is kind of annoyed that they're making fun of him. He's like, yeah, 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 sanitarium, whatever. And they're like, no, no, no. Well, they're like, no, no, let's play Welcome Home. Rob, do you know Welcome Home? <laughs> What's funny I need to try to find it because it's, it's a really weird, odd little peek into some of the grumpy intimacy of them. What's funny is uh, my old band, The Supertones, we had a song called Welcome Home. So maybe he was referring, maybe he wanted to play a Supertone song. The Supertone song, Welcome Home. They wanted to work on it. All right, That's number right. four for you. Number four, you'll love this, Creeping Death. Okay. Uh, I do love that. I was a little torn on to put this in number four or number three, but... Uh, I mean, shit, man. Again, we've talked about this song to death at this point. We have. To um, death. I mean, this this could be the album opener for Ride the Lightning. Um, yeah. This is a great show opener. I mean, it's just a, such a and perfect, a great show and a great show closer. Yeah. They could. I mean, they could play this every single show until the day they retire, and no one's going to complain about it. This is 
And and this to me is one of the most mature songs on Lightning. Yep. As far as like again, similar to when I was earlier when I was talking talking about Four Horsemen, this to me is a little glimpse forward into maybe where where we're going on puppets. Um, Speaking of Creeping it. Death and Exodus, Gary Holt on his podcast this week, he made a little bit of it's kind of clickbaity news, but he's talking about the New Year's Eve show that he did with Megadeth and Metallica in '86. And he talks about how they they blew Metallica off the stage, okay. like that's the big that was a big soundbite. Yeah. He's like we we pummeled Metallica that night. I mean, he's were like, they just Metallica just drunk that night and played bad or something? Or it was their homecoming show after being on tour with Ozzy, right? And I think they'd be tight as hell, right? And he says we had more amps, we had a, a taller riser. I'm like. Okay, Gary Holt. I mean, that's uh, not really. I mean, Gary Holt seems like okay. a cool dude. Like, yeah, he does. Like watching the Murder in the Front Row documentary, he seems like an awesome dude to hang with. Super cool. You know, um, and you know, again, m- probably more more to the story or whatever. I mean, maybe that's his way of just kind of like poking let fun me, at the night or whatever. Let me read to you what he says. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you come to a conclusion. Okay. All right. Because it away. sounds like you haven't heard this yet. I have not. All right, so th- so in a new interview with Death Angel's Ted Aguilar as part of the Alive and Streaming YouTube series, Gary Holt reflected on Exodus's legendary New Year's Eve gig in San Francisco with Metallica as the two bands rang in the new year along with Megadeth and Metal Church. And so this is his quote. We crushed Metallica, the Exodus guitarist said. And look, I'm not gloating. We crushed them and they knew it. It was their big homecoming. They just finished recording Puppets and we came out and we had more amps. We had a bigger riser. We came out looking like the headliners. We were partying hard after, and James Hetfield comes up, and we were just getting wasted. And Hetfield said, that'll be the last time you guys open for us. And it was. We never played with Metallica again until in the recent decade, and that was like a festival somewhere. Wow. So, I mean, may, I mean, shoot, maybe they did that night. Maybe just on a, on a musicianship it's, it's level. It's hard to, hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine, Hard to sure. imagine. But listen, every band in the world, you know, everyone has a bad has night. Has a bad night. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No doubt. Unless you're Steely Dan, of course. We're perfect Steely all the time. Dan plays, dude, Steely Dan or never Rush. misses a note. Yeah. Those dudes don't mess up. Right. But a, per- a thrash band like Metallica in the 80s, they're going to have some off nights. They might get a little too drunk before the show, or they're too hungover from the night before. You know, maybe at the end of this Aussie tour, they come and play a hometown show with Exodus and Megadeth, and they're fucking exhausted. You know? You're 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 painting a picture that's really easy to believe, although hard to believe at the same time. I mean, I, I can't imagine Exodus ever blowing them off the stage with songwriting. That's no. impossible. They're like, yeah, <laughs> they ended with some shitty song called "Master of Puppets," but we played "Bonded by Blood," dude. <laughs> uh, did we ever talk about? I was just thinking about Rush because you mentioned Rush. Yeah. Did we ever talk about the email we got where the guy said he said something like, "Oh, shitting on Rush." Loving the show, but why do you guys always shit on Rush? Yeah, we both replied to him in like in the same five minutes. I don't think he ever responded, did he? Well, we were both like, "Huh? What are we you talking like, about?" But we like Rush. <laughs> like, was it when it's we were just like, so weird. talking about Bytor and the Snow Dog or something? And they thought I we were... will never not make fun of Bytor and the Snow Dog because it's hilarious, and I'm sure that Neil Peart, when he was alive, would laugh right along with me. Bytor and the and all, Snow Dog and all his Dungeons and Dragons stuff. I love uh, it. My friend Kevin Rodney's drummer is like the biggest Rush fan I know. Yeah, and I joke with him about Bye Tour and the Snow Dog. I mean, this is a guy that like cried when Neil died. Okay, sure, yeah, as a lot of drummers did. I mean, he was he was the guy for so many drummers, and Kevin thinks that shit's hilarious. He knows that I've 
dude, we have mad respect for Rush. Of course. It's just so funny to have to defend a position you don't have. I know, right? <laughs> It'd be like someone telling me, like, why do you hate load so much? I'm like, but I but don't I love hate I love it. Load. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, he never wrote back. No, never wrote back. I wonder well, I mean he he did get double called out. Well, hey, listen, baby, if you want to bring the, the bag of doo-doo to my doorstep and set it on fire and ring the doorbell, and then I come out of my house and step on your flaming bag of a doo-doo, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to be like, hey, why'd you leave this pile of shit on my door? Exactly. No, no, no. I see that you're hiding behind the bushes. I'm not calling the cops. I'm not going to kick your ass. But why? Why, why did you do it? Don't make me sick by tour in the snow dog on you. I'm a grown-up, dude. I'm a grown-ass man. I'm a grown-ass half-man, half-fucking horse. I just realized that next time, you know, in the future when our animals have passed, next mm-hmm. time we get two dogs, I, I kind of want to push to name them Bitor, and the other one's just called Snow Dog. If you don't name your next dogs Lucius and Valentino, then oh what has this podcast <laughs> been for? Do I, but I, I feel like if I'm going to do that, I need to get two dogs that weigh less than eight pounds. <laughs> yeah, you need two, like... Pekingeses. Yeah. All right, we need to get your top three. Where am I? It's Number top three. three time, baby. Number three, Disposable Heroes. Uh-oh, I love it. This just pummels the whole time. And Dude, can I ask you a question, though? Ask me. Why don't you like the song Disposable Heroes? But I don't do, like, <laughs> it's... By tour? Um... I don't know. I mean, listen, I think the I think side B and Master of Puppets could have been a side A. It's that good. Yeah. You know, um, Disposable Heroes could have opened the record. Could have closed the record. You can put that... Side, yeah. I mean, it's insane. Side B is killer, dude. Damage Inc., Disposable Heroes, Orion. Yeah. That is a killer side B, no doubt. Absolutely. So, All right. Number two, Blackened. Okay. You knew that was going to be on there. I mean, Blackened is, yeah. my, is my sure. all-time favorite Metallica song. Sure. Um, but as far as just like the 80s stuff... I, I didn't put it at number one. I just didn't. Um, there's okay, something I need to... that just makes me feel even better when I hear it. So I have to guess what your number one is. You want to take a guess? Well, I think I have to. Okay, go for it. Do I get Do I get more than one? Do I, I get more than one guess? I'll give you three guesses. All right, I'm gonna guess the song one. No. Wow. Well, you you messed up by not putting that on the list. Okay. Um, although I don't even know if that one made my list, so no spoilers. Okay, wow, no one. You've already got... The, I mean, the big ones I would have guessed for you would have been Dyer's, Four Horsemen, and Blackened. Okay. Um, Orion? Correct. Hey! Hey! You went with an instrumental. I went with an instrumental. You're um, such a puppets guy. I am a You're puppets guy. You're such a puppets guy, man, bro. I'm, man, I'm so puppety. You uh, have one, You two, know, listen, I know. Three. Okay, I didn't put one or Master Puppets on my list. Yeah. It just seems yeah. crazy. No bells. I'm trying to think of notable, notable um, omissions. Bells, Harvester, right? Uh, Ride the lightning. I mean, even like Metal Militia or No Remorse, Seek and Destroy, right? Well, I know it feels. But weird, you know what? It's but your it's, list. I still, but I still feel these are. This is a solid list and good. Songs. No, this is a great list. Let me let me read them back for okay. you. Okay, here's Ethan's list. Number ten, and these are again his top song Metallica songs of the '80s for right now. For right now, just today. Uh, number 10, Motor Breath. Number 9, The Shortest Straw. Number 8, Four Horsemen. Number 7, Fade to Black. Number 6, Dyer's Eve. Number 5, Sanitarium. Number 4, Creeping Death. Number 3, Disposable Heroes. 2, Blackened. Number 1, the wonderful instrumental, Orion. Orion. Let's get to your list now. Well, I think first we need to check in 
on a few segments oh, good that call. we haven't visited in a while. I think we need to. I think we need to take a minute and hear from Torben and Paul. Paul. I mean, it's, it's only the. Uh, it's only right to check in with both of them at this point. And I think we should start with Torben, honestly, because I'm getting a little hungry. Okay, let's do it. I think one of the reasons I've been grumpy this episode is because I'm hangry. Oh, you are hangry. Well, listen, I think we have a cure for that. Welcome to Recipes with Torben. This is me, Torben. It's been so long. Today we're going to talk about the very limited menu items at McDonald's, the Scottish restaurant. They like to bring forth every once in a while called Zinnick Rib. 16 ounce uncooked pork spare rib. Cut off the bones from one rack. 3 tablespoons water, 1 teaspoon granulated sugar. 3 fourths tablespoons salt, 4 to 6 inch center split white sandwich rolls. Sarah Lee makes the perfect size. 1 cup Hunt's original barbecue sauce, 8 dill pickles, half cup sliced white onion. Or you could do what I do and not try to do this and just drive to New Jersey and go to your nearest McDonald's. If you can't find one, just ask anybody where the local Scottish restaurant is. And you tell the clerk I would like a McRib, please, before it goes away for ten more years. Thanks. Welcome back to the Poetry Corner. We're plum tickled to have you. Today we're going to be reading from a poem called So What? Originally by the Anti-Nowhere League, made popular by heavy metal band Metallica. So freaking what? Well, I've been to Hastings and uh, I've been to Brighton. I've been to Eastburn too. So what? I've been here and I've been there. I've been every gall darn where. So what? So what, you born little butt? Well, who cares? Who cares what you do? Who cares? Who cares about you now? Well, I love the Queen, and uh, I love Sebastian Bach. I even wore on my favorite socks. So what? I've tended sheep, and uh, I've herded the goat. I spilled Mama's buttermilk on my favorite coat. So what? Well, so what, you born little butthead? Well, who cares? Who cares what you do? Who cares? Who cares about you? I don't. Scoot. Well, I've drunk that, and I've drunk this. I sp- Regret to say I spewed up one time on a pint of piss. So what? I've had skank and I've had speed. I've seen Rocky defeat Apollo Creed. So what? So what, you boring little butt? Well, who cares? Who cares what you do? Who cares? Who cares about you? Well, I've had crabs and, uh, well, I have had lice. And I've had to clap and it wasn't nice. So what? I've seen this and, and I've seen that. I've even run out of quarters at the laundry mat. So what? So what, you born little butthole? Well, who cares? Who cares what you do? Uh, who cares? Who cares about you? Okay, so freaking what, see? Thank you for coming back down to the poetry corner. We'll see you next time here.
All right, man. What a crazy, a crazy thing to hear. I mean, it's been a while. Not only do we hear a recipe from Torben, but I mean, Papa shows up in his tow truck just to de- just to deliver some some slam poetry. <laughs> I know, dude. Well, <laughs> he doesn't get the credit, you know, for his sensitive side when he's not putting, you know, when he's not putting music- musicians from Nashville down in a hole so he can wear its skin later. He's crafting poetry, and sometimes he reads some of his favorite poems that he didn't even write just because he's, you know, so viscerally connects with them on a personal, spiritual level. So, I mean, let's be honest. Papa is a bit of an interpreter. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he channels. He channels. He does. You know, the gods speak through him, and he channels it. And what else can he do? That's right. He's got an F-150 Raptor on the back of his tow truck. He's got to channel something else. And that was James Hetfield's Raptor, and now James Hetfield's in a hole in his house and fucking... Murphy's bro, and he's putting the lotion on his skin as we speak right now. That's crazy. Well, let's get to my list, let's shall we? Yeah, I'm let's talk about me. Let's Can talk, we talk about, about me you. now. Yeah, it's all about you, Clint. We've we've had a really good time talking about you, and now it's time to talk about me. It's your time. Um, you just mentioned when we were talking about your list that you were surprised that there was no metal militia or no remorse on your list, and my number ten is the song "No Remorse." Ooh, there we go. Nice. That was tough to keep off, man. Yeah, I was looking at Kill 'em All, and I've got some other Kill 'em All uh, selections here. Nice. It surprised me a little bit, but it's my favorite deep cut on the album for sure. Awesome. I love the sort of groove intro, and it's a very brutal lyric, War Without End. It's mm-hmm. very cool, very apocalyptic and scary song, and awesome. Yeah. So I went with that. Number nine, uh, one of our three crossovers. Okay. And it's Disposable Heroes. Awesome. Okay. So we didn't have anything match up at all, right? We had one matchup. We had like one slot match. One slot match. Okay. We had three overlaps and one is a slot match. Okay. So Disposable Heroes is the first one. And uh, yeah, what can I say that can't be said? It's my favorite riff that's one note. <laughs> I know, right? It's just such a cool riff. So hard to do like uniformly, at least for me. Right. I know a lot of guitar players that are like... He calls himself a professional guitar player. He can't play that one note uniformly. Or but I can't. While you're singing, too, it's tough. Number eight, I had to go hit the lights. Ooh. Because it's the first It's the first taste. And, I mean, Sheryl Crow said it once. She said the first cut's the deepest. That's right. And, and you know it's what? still the song. If yeah. it makes you happy, it can't be it that can't bad. It can't be that bad. That's right. Yeah. I mean, you know, if the hit the lights makes me happy, then why the hell am I so sad? That's right. Because I don't know where my dad is. Daddy. Maybe he's on Discord. Um, it to this day, I mean, it's silly. It's a silly song, but I put it in that column. Here's what life's about, dude. Life's about putting things where they go. Mm-hmm. Everything's accounted for, right. and things things go where they go. And once they go where they go, you can have a light, a nice time. Okay, I've been watching Wandavision. Okay. Okay, I'm starting a little rant here okay i don't know what that is but continue well i i famously amongst my friends have derided the mcu the marvel cinematic universe okay because the i didn't i didn't really read the comics when i was a kid the films to me are sort of disposable numbing garbage where a bunch of superheroes smash each other into concrete over and over and there's never any consequences right like nothing ever happens they never die cities torn apart men women and children slaughtered um, in the in the cosmic chess game of superheroes, right? Over and over and over and over, dude. Totally. Now, someone hit me to Wandavision. 
I don't know who Wanda is. I don't know who Vision is. Okay. I don't know what WandaVision is. I just start watching it because we have Disney Plus, and I'm loving it because it's like a. Have you seen WandaVision? No. But I have. But I'm okay. on Disney Plus, so. Well, WandaVision is part of the MCU, and it's centered on these two characters who I didn't know. And it's the first few episodes are set up like 50s American TV sitcoms with like canned laughter and stuff. It's black and oh, white. Wow. It's really surreal and like really creepy. It's like MCU meets David Lynch or meets like the first season of Lost. Okay, I'm in. That sounds cool. Yeah, yeah, me too. So I watched that and I'm like, oh shit. So now I'm watching all the MCU movies and I'm having a great time. Oh, look at you. But here's why. I had to find the right column to put it in. There you go. Here's what these movies are never going to do for me. Be interesting on a story level, on a consequence level. They're not going to make me consider my own mortality, my yeah. existence. They're not going to ask questions that make me a better person, uh, that I'm transformed into being a better person by trying to find the answers. Right. They're just not going to do that. Okay, fair enough. Here's what they're going to be. Smashing people into concrete. Just fun. And once I put it in that column, I was like, now I'm having a good time. You know what the theme of those movies are? Have fun always. Totally. Even so if you're getting put, smashed into concrete. So I've put hit the lights into that column. No life to leather. We're going to kick some ass tonight. All right. When it goes in that 81 thrash, Bay Area thrash column, I love it, baby. I'm in. Uh, I need some more of it. A side tangent real quick. Let's do it. Since you're on Disney Plus. Yes. Mandalorian. It's awesome. You know how I feel about Star Wars, right? And I don't think you need to even care about Star Wars to enjoy it. I okay. really don't. Is that true? I think it holds up on its own. I don't think if you knew oh, really? anything about Star Wars, like they okay. might reference things that you're like, oh, what's the old Republic or whatever. You know what I mean? Like they might reference things that you don't know about, but like it's such a good series, man. John Favreau killed it, man. It's so good. I love good. John Favreau. He's, Does he direct them all? Uh, they have like guest directors and stuff like that, but he, I mean, he's the executive producer. He directs a bunch of the episodes. I mean, he created the whole thing. I will say I was having a fire pit. This was like a couple months ago. Yeah. Maybe a month ago. And some of my like really smart friends who are really into the Mandalorian were talking about like whatever the last episode was, and they were like on the verge of tears. Yes, yes. So I was like, uh, okay. And I think that might have to do with having grown up with Star Wars, right? But right. it's a really, really cool series. I, okay, I think you, right. I think you dig it. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll watch Mandalorian. You watch Wandavision. We'll get together, we'll rub some almond butter on ourselves, and compare notes. Mm. Love it. N- number seven for me as a. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, to answer your Orion, okay. I have to live is to die. Ooh, okay, nice. Yeah, I was looking at all, I, Orion almost made my list, but I, I think at the end of the day, man, it's because of my connection from being a kid. Yeah. That's the instrumental that's just the closest to me. Cool. It, I love all the soft sections, but I love the crunchy. Oh, yeah, for sure. I just love it. What can I say? Number six, Ride the Lightning. Ooh, I Titular track from. Ride the Lightning. Almost had that on my list. It's one of the best solos on the the Big Four records. Mm-hmm. It's just one of the best solos of of Metallica. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, um, amazingly melodic, and I mean, totally. And I think that was one of those solos that really, really helped Kirk kind of come into his own and, and be his own person. Because you know he yeah he used you know they used a lot of Dave's leads on the first record. You know, it's just that's a well fact. at least and, the first yeah at least the first couple bars. You know, but um, these were all composed by Kirk, so it's it's yeah. the first time you really get to hear him shine. I think I think almost every solo on Ride the Lightning is better than the solos on on Kill 'Em All. Yeah, I mean, it's, Kill 'Em All was that just thrashy, that, like it was thrashy, like breakout, go nuts thing. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, I mean, I'm thinking about Fade to Black. I'm thinking about Ride the Lightning. I'm thinking about Creep. Yeah. The, those solos have a lyrical arc and have, you know, melodic significance. A- absolutely. Beyond, beyond just bursts of crap. A- agreed, yeah, for sure. Now, maybe Fight Fire has that. I mean, some songs have to have that. Of course, yeah. Fight Fire's got that, and what else has that? Maybe Trapped Under Ice has some of that. Yeah, it has some of that, but, for sure. But, I mean, listen, I mean, the solo on Creeping Death, I mean, there's so many good, good Kirk yeah. moments in that record. And you, what's really cool, too, about um, just camping out there for a second is at the end of Bells, just how about instead of doing, like, the metal, you know, progressive, thrashy solo, how about just psychedelic freakout? That's yep. pretty cool. Love it. Just noise and chaos. That's, that's actually pretty cool that they did Yeah, a lot that of weird whammy bar stuff and dives. And Oh, I love that psychedelic part. Um, so to recap my first five, No Remorse, Disposable Heroes, Hit the Lights, To Live Is To Die, Ride the Lightning. Number five, Damage Inc. There it is. I was hoping that would make your list because I was yeah. so close to putting it on mine. I just love that song so much. And that's definitely one I did not spend a lot of time with before the podcast. So I'd like to thank you and I'd like to thank me for um, opening my eyes even more to beautiful music that I otherwise might not have uh, had the pleasure of indulging in, in my Correct. life. Correct. That's awesome. Number four is our another crossover and it's our slot uh, similarity. Okay. Creeping Death at number Ooh, four. Ooh, both of us. Really? Okay, Creeping Death. I'm surprised that's as low as it is for you. I have I have a pretty big surprise here in this top three. I'm I'm real curious now because uh, and Creeping Death is your jam. Creep, Creep and Blackened are like my two heavy jams. Like yeah. Lifelong jams. Sure. I think those are my number one and number two favorite Metallica songs. However, four is Creeping Death and number three is Blackened. Ooh. And that's our last crossover man we were so close on crossing over on that one too or like uh slotting up yep you had blackened at two i had it at three we both had creep at four so now this leaves my top two and number two i'm curious number two is a big curveball okay i'll give you one guess for number two and then i'll give you three guesses for number one so let's i'll tell you this number two is the biggest curveball of my entire list um, I'll give you a guess. Try to think of how much of a curveball it is. It's it's massive. It's massive. Massive? Curveball. Yeah. Um, then I'm going to guess Escape. No. That's a good guess, That's though. a big curveball. This is even bigger, bro. You want me to, Shall I reveal the curveball? Reveal it. Uh, Last Caress, Green Hell. Oh, so you went with Garage Days. Yeah. See, I was on the fence if I should add something from there. But hey, listen, gonna. we didn't specify it, it, no. it was studio albums only. This is the, just the 80s stuff. Um, I was going to put the small hours. That was the one I was like, when I thought like, oh, a, um, a Garage Days re-revisit is going to be on there. Right. And then I was burning through them and I was like, man. And really, I mean, Last Caress is like, to me, kind of a Metallica classic. I don't want to offend any Misfits trues out there. Sure. But that's how I heard of the Misfits Same. through yeah. that song. But I got to tell you, man, I love Green Hell more. Like, yeah, Green Hell. I think awesome. Green Hell is such an amazing song. First of all, the, like Glenn Danzig version. I love the Earth AD. It's on Earth AD, right? I think so. Yeah, it's the only one I have. But it's just such a wild song, and I love their cover of it. I almost wish it would just stood alone. Just Green yeah, Hell as a cover for but, sure. So I, that's my number two. Last I was Press close to uh, I was close to putting the weight on. I love the weight. Also, I've been listening to my Garage Days cassette a bunch lately, mm-hmm. cause I, and yeah. I love that it's the EP on each side, so you can just flip it over and start it over. Totally. And the other night, I, I, I had uh, went online and learned how to adjust the speed on my tape deck. I'd never done it before. Mm-hmm. Super easy, by the way. And so I was comparing that cassette with, 
you know, the Spotify version to just make sure the pitch was right. And uh, I had it cranked down the, down here in HQ1. I was like, man, this is such a good EP. Oh, yeah. Especially coming off of the, the sort of clinical, well, not clinical, but like the very clean, cleanly recorded, like very tight and right puppets. Very produced. Like... I mean, they even say that, yeah, in the, in the liner notes, like not not very produced right, by yeah. Metallica. Totally, like you can hear the hum of the amps before uh-huh. the song starts. I love the drum sounds on it too. Yeah, like they're. I mean, it's they're they're raw, but they're still big sounding. Yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. I mean, you know, it sounds garagey and powerful, and it's a band at one of their peaks yeah. making a, a lo-fi rock album. Yeah, it's it's an amazing document. It's really cool. Love it. I kind of wouldn't mind them doing something similar. I know. Like, you know, but in a way, I mean, they recorded Garage Inc. disc one in two weeks. I mean, that's, they just did it with a great producer in a great studio. Yeah, I mean, that's essentially the next Garage Days record is Garage Inc. disc one. It's just so, it just has that kind of black album load, reload sheen on it. Of course, it have, yeah. It doesn't sound low fi at all. Right. But the, but the, but the, you can hear the immediacy of it. They made it quick. Yeah. Whereas I think they made Garage Days we revisited in like five days or something. Yeah, I'm sure it's real short. But they made Garage Inc. in two weeks, dude. Yeah. For a big band and for it to sound that good, two weeks. And then, and then I think it was like they put it out like not even two months later or something. Yeah, it came out super quick. All right, my last. Number one. Uh, what would your number my one number be? one Metallica song of the 80s. I will give you a couple of guesses or just one, however many guesses you want. Um, well, you got three, so I'll take three. My first guess okay. is that you chose the song one. I did choose the song one. You nailed it. Boom. You nailed it. Sometimes I wake up. When I wake up, sing- <laughs> well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be in a bad song. one. That's a great karaoke song, by the way. I hate that song. Five hundred miles but, by the proclaim. You hate that. I song? I hate that song, but I, but I agree that it is a good karaoke song. Karaoke How songs don't hate- have to be songs I like. How can you hate that? song? I just the chorus bothers me. And I <laughs> like it's just. I don't know. Isn't it amazing though? Isn't it amazing that a song that ridiculous sounding was such a huge, huge hit? hit? I love it. Huge Those hit. Those guys are such nerds. Well, and the Proclaimers were, cool. were like a. I think they're Scottish or Irish. And then I don't all know. their all their catalog is like kind of more Irish folk kind of stuff. Or I think they're Scottish. But anyways, that song it, it just it was so played so much back then. It just bothered me. Mm. No, I'm grumpy. Look at you, man. All it took was the Proclaimers. All it took was a couple of bespeckled twin nerds to sing a song of unrequited love and longing. He'd walk 500 miles just to be the man who'd walk 500 miles to fall down at her door, dude. That is Shakespearean poetry. That is the human condition. Um, It stirs something deep in me that's been asleep for decades, and you hate it. Does he know that airplanes exist? (laughs) And trains and here's the thing though the 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 damsel the lady the damsel in distress or maybe it's a dude in distress I don't know and I would uh, fly five hundred miles it'll take one hour I'll see you soon no they're Got gonna be impressed over. by the they're gonna be impressed by the journey dude oh the, I totally get the, it I, the Lord of the Rings Mordorian journey listen I lo- I think what it is is just kind of stylistically I just don't like the the chorus I think the words oh, are Sam. great. Oh Sam! Oh Sam! I can't walk five hundred miles. I can't walk five hundred miles into the eye of Sauron, Sam. And I definitely can't I just walk want... five hundred more. <laughs> just to be the Hobbit who falls down at Sauron's door. 
Well, there we go. There are our lists. My is. last five being Damage Inc., Creeping Death, Black, and Last Caress, Green Hell, and One. I did kind of cheat because Last Caress and Green Hell are one song, but for you sticklers out there, if you're going to make me cut one in half or cut the, the, the slot in half, I'll take Green Hell, baby. There you go. I mean, that's more of a medley. It's a medley. Yeah, it's two songs. Although, no, it's the full songs of each. It's the full songs, for sure. But the but, but Misfit songs are like a minute and a half long. That's well, what's so great about it. technically, them. at the end of that EP, they they tease Run to the Hills. A little Run to the Hills. Like, yeah, I'll, look at I'll you. Out of tune and on purpose and stuff. But Dude, we should start. Check this out. Maybe not soon, but maybe this summer, maybe even 2022. We should start a Metallica podcast. Dude, we totally should. That would be amazing. Now, we can come up with characters, you, and I could say totally yeah. a lot. and you we can forget the outlaw Torm was on an album i can say that judas that what unforgiven three was what did i get wrong that unforgiven three was the the instrumental something like that yeah who's counting anymore dude this is the oregon trail baby when we started this podcast we were different people we were we were a group of different people me and you we're like uh i am a legion hordes in within us right Right. remember the demons and jesus cast the demons into the pigs and the pigs run in the ocean that's what we were like that's right okay and now um We've traveled this far, and we're different people. Some of us died. Some of us came back to life. I had dysentery. Some of us were were reborn. Some of us had diarrhea until we died. Uh, You know, that's all we can say. Now, we have Ford uh, Ford F-150 Raptors now, so things are a little different. I mean, things are looking up. We're good. We're going to go crush some dunes later. I am interested to see what people's lists are. If you want to write them and send them into us, it's metal up your podcast show at gmail.com. We do love the metal up your podcast family. We feel like you're an extension of our own families and we appreciate you out there. We will be uh, compiling lists for the nineties. That's right. And for the, the aughts and for the tens. That's right. We will. And if you guys want to share your uh, lists on Instagram, on your stories, tag us in it and we can repost them for you too. Listen, if you guys have Metallica content or if you want to tell us how much you like us and all that stuff, um, if, if you put us in your stories and tag us, we repost all, all of it. It's easy to do. We like seeing it. Sometimes we it encourages double repost us. it. Sometimes we repost it and then that person reposts that we reposted it. And then we're in a Christopher Nolan film called Inception mm, Part 2, what? colon, Metallica Edition. Colon by Christopher Nolan. Yeah, exactly. Wow, that was that was some poetry right there Ethan. i'm on my third cup of coffee which means i'm going crazy today and uh we did it we've wrapped this episode up it was really good to see you and spend time with you good to see you digitally of course as always good to see you and spend time with our middle up your podcast friends and uh the train keeps rolling baby can't stop the train from rolling chugga chugga and we'll see you guys on the flippity floppity peace adios <laughs> Our advisor, what would you say? Then I would say, delete that. <laughs>